0: And everyone, to a very exciting new edition of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are bringing you another show that's part of the Neurodivergent New Play Series, and joining us to tell us about this show, we have the director, Jay Hunt. The show is Skinny Legend. It's playing October 15th at 2 p.m. at the Vino Theater, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting sour we're really excited about bringing you yet another show from this great series and we're so excited to have our guests tell us about this new show so let's welcome them on jay welcome to whisper in the wings from stage whisper thank you
1: wow i'm so excited to be here
0: i'm so excited to have you here just our little conversation we were having before we started was fantastic i yeah I can already tell this is gonna be a great conversation. And you've got this great show <laughs> that's part of this wonderful series called Skinny Legend, you're directing this. So can we start off by having you tell us a little bit about this show?
1: Yeah, so Skinny Legend is about a gorgeous, fat influencer named Katie, who is dating for a long time, a essentially a himbo, and they go home to visit his family and they run into his friends from high school who are all fat phobic, essentially. And it's sort of about trying to be fat in a world that, be fat and love yourself in a world that doesn't want that to be the case.
0: I love it. Oh <laughs> my
1: gosh, I, I
0: truly do. I love it. Because as a larger person, I mean I love shows that encourage you to you know, love your body, love yourself, and really embrace all shapes and sizes. So I I I'm hooked. So how did you, how did you come upon this show?
1: Well, so Anthony, that's a great question. And I honestly don't remember because it was so long ago, but I Anthony posted that he wanted neurodivergent directors to be like resident directors for this series and so i emailed him and we had like a zoom chat and we got along amazingly so he offered me the resident director one of the resident director positions and then he opened up submissions for plays by neurodivergent playwrights and we got like like a hundred, I think, or like more than a hundred. There were so many. And so I read a lot of them. And then I came across Skinny Legend as one of the submissions. And I was like, oh, this is like the next great American play. Like, this is, this is what I want to be working on. And then I, so I told Anthony and he reached out to Liv, the playwright, And it turned out that Liv and I were like destined to be best friends. We were like, we had our first Zoom meeting and we were like, oh, like we love each other. So it's, it's been really great. That is how I came across this play. And Liv and I have been working on it for a couple months now. And it's the second public reading on October 15th. The first, Liv lives, Liv lives in Philadelphia and there was a reading in Philadelphia directed by Not Me. And she like got totally inspired to change a bunch of stuff. So we've been sort of looking at those changes. And now there will be the second reading in New York, obviously, at the Vino Theater.
0: Uh, that's fa- all fantastic. I'm so glad that that this show has got legs. This, I mean, it's exciting that this is the New York premiere, but I know it's not gonna end here. There's gonna be more. Let's I, hope. I, So we are coming up to October 15th and the premiere, the New York premiere of the show. And I wanna know what has it been like developing this particular iteration of it?
1: Yeah, so we haven't started rehearsals yet. We're really only gonna rehearse the couple days before the actual reading because the goal of this reading is really to develop the text and hear the text out loud by people who haven't been with it for a long time. And so we are only going to rehearse for a couple of days, but up until this point, there's been a lot of meetings between Liv and me where she'll send me a new draft and then we'll meet and we'll talk about it. And we had an amazing meeting with Destry, who is playing Katie, where she like read the script and was like, I have all these thoughts And they were like amazing, brilliant thoughts. And we were like, okay, so we've like somehow assembled an amazing cast and team. And so, you know, it's about like, there are some characters who need a little bit more to do. There are some elements that need to be just like kind of reworked, but really the frame and the structure has always sort of been the same and has always been the story of Katie And really what's interesting about it is that it's not so much about learning to love yourself because she loves herself from the beginning. It's, it's about being able to continue loving yourself when people are telling you not to.
0: That is so beautiful. I love that. And that leads to my next question, which is, is there a message or a thought you're hoping that audiences will walk away from the show with?
1: That's a great question. I, I think it's twofold. So because it's the Neurodivergent New Plays series, we have assembled a team of a neurodiverse team. Some people are neurodivergent, some people are neurotypical. And I want the audience to know that neurodivergent people and disabled people and you know anyone who's in a marginalized community, we want to be making work that isn't just about our community. We wanna be making work about like all kinds of situations and people. And I think it's great when neurodivergent and disabled artists make work about neurodivergent and disabled communities. I love that. I wanna see more of that. I think it's amazing. But for me, it's also interesting to be, to think how does my neurodivergence, Liz's neurodivergence, the cast's neurodiversity impact the way that theater is made and the way that we rehearse, the way that everything comes together and how can we sort of disrupt the ideas that are traditionally placed on rehearsal rooms. So I guess that's what I want like the team and the cast to leave with is, is the thought of how can we create better rehearsal rooms for people who have been traditionally excluded from rehearsal rooms and then also (laughs) I want people to leave with just like the basic I'm really hoping that some people's views of fat people get challenged and that they come in thinking like oh it's about learning to love yourself and then they leave thinking oh she loves herself and that's not a problem and it's not like an inspirational story it's just a story of like these kind of bitches who are being mean to a fat girl and the fat woman wins in the end which when I first met with Liv she was like why did you choose this play why did you like this play so much and I was like because it tells a story about fat people that I've never seen on stage. I've never seen like a fat person who's happy from the beginning and like doesn't need the man because at the beginning of the play, she meets Theo, her boyfriend and she's already an established, like happy, great person, influencer. And then she meets him and they come together and they make each other better, but he doesn't make her happier. I mean, yes, he makes her happier, but he doesn't make her love herself more. She already has that, and so I, I, my hope is that when people come to see the play who are not fat or who don't have a lot of interactions with fat people, they leave being like, "Okay, fat people are allowed to be happy." Basically, is the short version of the long ramble I just did.
0: <laughs> that is a fabulous message, though. A fabulous, like, scream that from the mountaintops, absolutely. So my final question for this first part of the interview is
1: who do you hope
0: have access to your show?
1: That's a really interesting question. Who do I hope have access to the show? I, well, one thing I'm really excited about is that the streaming tickets are pay what you can and the in-person tickets are pay what you can at least $10. And so I know that a lot of my good friends who are starving artists are going to be able to attend because the tickets aren't like $40 or like 45. And I know that people think that like $40 is a cheap ticket, but it's not really for a person who actually needs a cheap ticket. So I'm excited about that. And then I also, I hope that this play reaches a neurodiverse audience because of the nature of the series. And I hope that that audience sees what we've created and sort of is able to see the ways we've created it that are more accessible which is i'm realizing like probably impossible but i hope it happens anyway
0: second part of our interview. I love letting our listeners kind of get to know our guests on a more personal level, pick their brand, if you will. And I want to start by asking you what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past, or are just some of your favorites?
1: That is such a great question. And I feel like I could answer that in like a thousand different ways. (laughs) But I'll say... The play that has really been like rattling around in my brain is the Comeuppance at Signature by Brandon Jacobs Jenkins. It was so—I mean, first of all, it was like three hours long with no intermission, which to me is like a dream come true because I hate intermissions. But it—it just—it asked questions about like mortality and what it means to be a person. And there was magic in it, which I was like, amazing. I love this. But Brandon's work really... I'm calling him Brandon. I've never met him. I don't know him. But his work really is sort of like... I think he's one of the best working playwrights we have. Because he just... All of his plays are about like what it means to be a person, which is really what my art is interested in. Is like... And even though he writes plays not exclusively, but about sort of like a black experience. I feel like I create plays about like a disabled neurodivergent experience. And obviously those things are not the same, but they both come from a place of like a a historically marginalized group trying to reclaim making art. I don't know if that makes any sense. You're nodding, so it might.
0: It makes total sense.
1: I love that though. I love that list, and I
0: love that show. And it leads me to my next question, which is, have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners?
1: I actually, just last night, I saw Jaja's African Hair Braiding at MTC on Broadway, and it wrecked me in a way of... You're laughing the whole time, like laughing hysterically, like I was falling out of my seat laughing, and then at the end you're like sobbing. And I love Jocelyn Bio; I think she's amazing. Schoolgirls is like one of my favorite plays, and she just the she she does a similar thing actually to what we were just talking about about the comeuppance, where it's just a lot of it is just like fly on the wall gossip, like they're just chatting and. But you're like laughing hysterically and you feel like you're part of the conversation. And then at the end, when it takes like the serious turn, which I probably shouldn't even be saying because it's like kind of a twist that it takes a serious turn, but oh well, you have, you know, the character so well that the serious turn it takes is like heart wrenching. And I just saw it last night, but I know that I'm going to be thinking about it for a long time. Like it's one of the, it's fresh in my brain, but it also feels like it's been there forever.
0: I love that. I'm so excited to see this show. I get to see it next week, if I remember right. And I, yeah, I just, I love shows like that. Oh my gosh. I want to ask, you know, what is your favorite part about working in the theater?
1: I would say creating community. I think as a director, because really my my you know everyone in the theater has like multiple disciplines and my two are directing and dramaturgy and as a director I feel like my work is about making sure that everyone in the room feels comfortable and safe and feels like they have friends in the room and obviously I'm also like directing the show but I feel like a play cannot succeed if there's not a safe environment and I do feel responsible for creating that safe environment. And then as a dramaturg, I, I'm also a literary manager. And so like introducing playwrights to each other who I think would be best friends. And then it turns out they are best friends is like such a, such a fun and important part of working in theater is like introducing people to each other and, and being in a rehearsal room and saying this is how we're going to work and if anyone feels unsafe we need to stop and resolve that immediately because again like I was saying earlier that's that's just not something that has that people have thought about historically in rehearsal rooms and in performance spaces no one's been it's all just been like older white men being like oh, we're gonna work until I'm done. And you have to sort of think about, we're gonna work until the first person in the room is done because we don't wanna push anyone beyond their limits. And that's that's my favorite thing about working in theater is not pushing people beyond their limits.
0: That is a fantastic answer. And I wanna like put it on t-shirts. I wanna get the word <laughs> out about that because that's exactly right. How can we expect to get these great, great performances that force performers, designers, what have you to go to those places if we're exhausting them or we're burning them out. So totally, absolutely, absolutely. And now we've come to my favorite question to ask guests. And that is, what is your favorite theater memory?
1: Oh, okay. This is so embarrassing, but it's about Brandon Jacobs Jenkins again. <laughs> so I saw the second preview of an Octoroon at Soho Rep. And I don't know if you saw it at Soho Rep or at Tifana. Okay, so I'm gonna spoil something that happened in it, but it it happened like 10 years ago. So, <laughs> well, you know, anyway if it ever comes back i apologize for spoiling it so the you walk in and the first the first like scene and a half ha- just like happens in a white floor white wall with a little door and then in the middle of the second scene the wall just falls and then at soho rep in the 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 play continued, and then near the end of the play, another wall fell. And at Theater for a New Audience, the way they did it was the wall fell, and then they like brought it back up, and then it fell again, which I thought was a little bit of a cop-out, especially because they had that huge space. But it, at Soho Rep, the memory of like the first wall falling, and I was sitting in the front row, so I was like, oh, I'm about to die. And then I didn't. <laughs> and then the wall fell again. And I was like, oh my God, now I'm really about to die. And then I didn't. And just like, the, and also I was like a sophomore in college. I was so young and I was only just then starting to like see things that weren't Broadway. And so seeing it and feeling like, oh, there's like exciting stuff happening downtown was really like a game changing moment for me.
0: That is a wonderful memory. I truly adore that. So thank you so much for sharing that.
1: No, thank you.
0: Are there any other projects or productions that you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you?
1: I'm assistant directing a workshop of a new play by my friend Ashley Siflinger at the Brick Ox, where I've never been, but apparently it's nice. And that's being done with Stroller Scene, which is this great company that like full disclosure is run by my friends but they are really focused on just developing work and not doing productions like just doing like in the weeds of development which I always find very exciting because I that's my favorite part of making a play is like really getting in there and developing it and so yeah so that's going to be fun and aside from that I'm just kind of (laughs) living, vibing. Oh, that's in November, on November 11th.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Well, that now leads me to my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about Skinny Legend or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so?
1: So if you want to get tickets to Skinny Legend, you can go to sourgrapesproductions.com slash neurodivergent new play series, but there are hyphens between the words of neurodivergent new play series. Or you can just go to sourgrapesproductions.com and like click around and you'll find it. (laughs) I don't know why I had to be like the hyphens. And if you want to know about me, my website is just myname.com, jhunt.com. And all my social media is just my name with the letters switched. It's just heyjunt. But I will say if you follow me on social media, don't expect a lot of like smart takes about theater because I, I do do that sometimes, but mostly it's like pictures of my cats.
0: <laughs> I love cats though. I'm there. I'm there. Right? I'm following you and I'm just, I, that's all I expect. Well, Jay, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This really has been an honor, and I love the show. I love the show. I love everything about it, the powerful message, the amazing goals you have with it. This sounds amazing, and I can't wait to see what comes of it next. So thank you for your time today.
1: Thank you. This was so fun.
0: I'm so glad to hear that. My guest today has been the director, Jay Hunt who is directing the show Skinny Legend. It's part of the Neurodivergent new play series, and it's having its reading on October 15th at 2 p.m. at the Vino Theater. Get your tickets and more information by visiting sourgrapesproductions.com. And also while you're at it, check out Jay on social media or online at jhunt.com or at Junt. We're going to have all of this information posted on our social media post, as well as on our episode description. But this show is incredible. Get on the ground level of this new and incredible show, Skinny Legend. It's October 15th at 2 p.m. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater
1: in a stage whisper. Thank you.